Hello, and welcome to Kathy Williams DeVries Muses, my podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Williams DeVries, and we're continuing our series on Renaissance diminutions. This time, we're featuring the madrigals of Cipriano Dorore, um, who lived from 1515 to 1565, and the composer uh, who did the diminutions on these two madrigals, Della Casa. So let me tell you a little bit about Cipriano Rore and his two works that we're going to feature. So Cipriano de Rore, approximately 1515 or 1516, um, and between 11 and t- the 11th and 20th September 1566, he was a Franco-Flemish composer, very active in Italy. So not only was he a central representative of the generation of Franco-Flemish composers after Josquin de Pre, who went to live and work in Italy, he was actually one of the most prominent composers of madrigals in the 16th century. And his style was experimental, chromatic and highly expressive and had a huge influence on the subsequent development of that form of secular music. So we don't know a lot about uh, his early life. He born around 1515, 1516, although we do know that uh, his age at the time of his death was 49, which was recorded on his tombstone in the cathedral at Parma. And we think... Um, He was born in a small town in Flanders, uh, which would have been right on the border of the French and Dutch-speaking areas. So where he got his musical training is unknown, but um, there is an implication um, from a line in a madrigal that uh, his um, training could have been in Naples. And prior to that, um, it, that's only speculative. Um, he could have received his early music training in Antwerp. So Rore was one of the most influential composers in the middle of the 16th century um, because of his madrigals. He wrote a book in 1542 which was a, in quite, quite extraordinary. Um, it established five voices as the norm rather than four, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, And um, musically, it married the polyphonic texture of the Netherlandish motet with the Italian secular form, which brought a seriousness of tone to madrigals, which became a, a very predominant trend in that genre. So all of the lines of development in the madrigal in the late century can be traced to ideas first seen in Rore, According to Alfred Einstein, his only true spiritual successor was Claudio Monteverdi, who himself was revolutionary. In his sacred music, however, Rore was more backward-looking and showed his Netherlandish roots. And his masses are actually quite reminiscent of the work of Josquin Dupre. And we heard him in the last a um, few podcasts. So Rore had 107 madrigals 
that we know he wrote, um, 16 secular Latin compositions, similar in form to madrigals, um, at least seven chansons, 53 motets, um, of which 51 still survive, a passion according to St. John, five settings of the Mass, a Magnifica, and a handful of other works. So it was as a composer of madrigals that Rory achieved enduring fame. And the two madrigals that you're going to hear are La Bella Netta Ignuda and Ia Cantare d'Amor Si Novamente. If you're wondering what they mean, the words to the first one, La Bella Netta Ignuda e Bianco Mano, Translate roughly according to Google Translate as the beautiful, clean, naked and white hand, the celestial beauties of that face with sweet human reasoning, Madonna, they have divided me so much that I don't feel inside having the call you stole it at the hour. When with the eyes when the, where the sky fades, you showed him the way that made love. He felt great sense that he went to heaven. He couldn't be more blessed already for me. I am happy with this state. So this is the first madrigal you're going to hear. And then I'm going to play you exactly the same madrigal, but with the diminutions by Dalakasa. And I'll tell you a little bit about Dalakasa. Jeromala Dalakasa. He was uh, died in 1601 and was an Italian composer, instrumentalist, and writer in the late Renaissance. So he, was, he died about 35 years later uh, than uh, Dorore. So he was a member of the Venetian school, and he was actually more famous and influential as a performer um, than a composer. So we know nothing about his life prior to his arrival in Venice, although he was probably born at Udine in the middle of the 16th century, but we don't know. Records are a bit hazy. He was first hired um, for a professional music gig at St Mark's Basilica, Basilica in 1568, along with his two brothers. And um, they formed the first permanent instrumental ensemble. And uh, they were kind of helped by the fact that the Basilica had a very sonorous acoustic and the place was the centre activity of the Venetians. And actually, uh, Gabrielli, and I'm sure we'll meet him in f- future podcasts, had the Dalla group in mind for much of his music. And the Dalla are presumed to have played in many elaborate polychoral compositions of the time. What I mean by that is two or more choirs. So if you think um, Palestrina had something like eight choirs of five, uh, was it five choirs of eight, but something something like that. Now what was um, most notable about Dalla Casa? He was a virtuoso player of the cornet. C-O-R-N-E-T-T, which he described as the most excellent 
of all the wind instruments because it mimics the human voice better than the, instru the other instruments do. Now, the use of the Dalacasas by Gabrielli and St. Mark's uh, may have influenced the development of the Concertino Ripieno style of the Concerto Grosso in the later Baroque. What I mean by that is rather than have all the parts completely uh, separate and of equal, uh, of equal weighting, um, Concertino as opposed to Ripieno um, implies that the Concertino part is harder and more prominent and is a solo part. And that being all virtuosos, um, you know, they could really go to town. So he, from his compositional output, which probably wasn't large, um, just a couple of books of madrigals and a book of motets, it was his two-part 1584 treatise, treatise on ornamentation which gives clear and precise examples of ornamentation as it was practised in singing and playing French chanson and Italian madrigals at the time. So in contrast to earlier ornamentation treatises, Dalacasa introduced short ornamental patterns with jerky and discontinuous rhythms such as tremoli, groppi zati and groppi battute to emphasise particular notes and heighten their emotional effect. Diminutions on intervallic skips of six, sevenths and octaves also appear for the first time in this treatise, which is therefore regarded as marking the end of the purely Renaissance style of ornamentation and the beginnings of Baroque practice. So from this treatise, it's clear that polyphonic works were usually performed unadorned but in works of more homophonic style, and what I mean by that is everyone playing roughly the same rhythm, and especially grand polar choral works with frequent sectional cha changes and prominent cadences, were embellished with ornaments, few of which appear in the actual annotated music. So let's hear the first one, La Bella Netta Ignuta e Bianco Mano. Uh, the, I'll start with the original motet and then you'll hear Dalacasa's diminution on it.
hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. So the second motet we are going to hear, Io Cantarei d'Amor, is I would sing of love in so new a way, I would draw a thousand sighs from that hard heart and light a thousand noble desires in that chill mind. And I would see her often change expression and wet her eyes and turn more pityingly like one who, when it's no use, repents of others' suffering and her own error. So here the original motet by Cipriano Dorore and then the diminutions by Dalla Casa.
hope you enjoyed those two works by Cipriano Dorore with Diminutions by Dalla Casa. And next podcast, I look forward to bringing you a behind-the-scenes listen into how I assemble my six-part, a six-part recording. Until then, bye for now. Thank you.